I just can't seem to get back in any kind of a groove. I'm in some sort of a tailspin here, and I can't get out of it. Hello, everybody. This is Again With This, Melrose Place. Today's episode is Season 5, Episode 11, Soul Sisters, but soul like a shoe. And now, here are your hosts, Kara Aranio and Sarah D. Bunting. Or soul like a fish. (laughs) I don't know why that would work either, but anyway... (laughs) It sounds like that song. So like a fish. <laughs> <laughs> Hole in my head. <laughs> like you... a soul. <laughs> I'd rather fry than give you control. Thank you. Thank you. I am literally here all week. Um, hello, everyone. Before we get into this episode, I would like to remind you that again with, again with this, episode 96 is dropping May 20th. Let's watch Andrew Chris Marchette Williams in Acapulco Heat, H-E-A-T, <laughs> with periods in between. That's how you can the tell H it's may good. stand for hee-hee. <laughs> this 44 minutes of television <gasps> is incredible. Yeah. I do think you should join us yes. at patreon.com slash again with this. And we will have a link to this um, steroids op episode, <laughs> code name colon juice. Yeah. In the show notes, we urge you to join us on the Patreon. It's full of garbage like this. We have mm-hmm. a good time. Ooh. Come along. Yep. For now, let's get into this episode, starting with our C plot. Megan and Matt both have relationship concerns. Michael <clears throat> is waiting on the beach when a pissy looking Megan finds him there. He wanted her to meet him on the exact spot where they first met because that was the last time he was really happy, which is kind of a burn considering, you know, you're with her now. Like, you should be happier. I know you're getting divorced, but Jesus. Anyway, Megan insists that Michael still has feelings for Kimberly despite what he says, but he's basically like, nah, even though two episodes ago his loyalty to Kimberly was the reason that the only commitment he was ready to make to Megan was to ask her to be his mistress, but she keeps insisting not dropping it. Michael swears he loves Megan, not Kimberly. No, no one cares. No one cares, right? <laughs> no one cares. I no, no okay. one cares. Right. Even Megan and Michael don't really <laughs> care. But here we all are, eleven episodes into this season. Uh, <laughs> Then we're in a fancy restaurant, not Kyle's, with Matt and Dr. Dan, the former checking to make sure the latter is not bothered that Matt ordered an alcoholic drink. Looks like a rum and coke. Uh, Oh, no, of course not. In Starverse, (laughs) the drug addicts in recovery can totally drink and it's fine. Or so you'd think. Dan's actual answer is that if Matt can handle it, Dan can. And Matt says he never had a problem with alcohol. But for Dan... All substances were related in their effects on him, so Matt should just be careful, and Matt duly takes the hint, returning his cocktail to get an iced tea like Dan instead. And then we get to meet Dan's bitchy ex, (laughs) clip two. Well, look here. (laughs) If it isn't Dan Hathaway, savior of mankind. Oh, Roger. You're going to introduce me to your friend? I'm Roger McCormick, one of Dan's used-to-be's. Your latest conquest, or just another disposable for your ash heap? You're drunk, Roger. So why don't you go away before this gets unpleasant? Wait. Let me guess. You're a former patient. 
Did Big Strong Dan take you home and kiss your boo-boos and make them better? <laughs> he plays the part so well, doesn't he? Has he started living your life for you yet? Roger. I want you to leave now. Word of advice. Get out while the getting's good. You'd be sorry if you stick around. Spin off, please. Oh my God, yeah. Roger. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> like this is the liveliest this season has been so far. Honest to God. Yeah. I mean, I mean, is... not that this is new information or anything, no. but Roger, way to put a very sparkly bow on this. I enjoyed yes. it. Yeah. I mean, I think this is probably a, a straight actor playing a gay actor in a, you know, in as stereotypical a way as he can. It's mm. 1996. Like, this is how it went. But it's still fun. Yeah. <laughs> I still enjoyed it. So he leaves. Mm-hmm. Matt is like, uh, what was that? And Dan calls Roger a former patient who never got better. Also, they were involved for a while. And this is why Dan insists on not mixing his business and personal lives, except for that relationship and the one he's currently in. But apart from that, does not occur. <laughs> guy so matt is like uh what was that and dan calls roger a former patient who never got better also they were involved for a while this is why dan insists on not mixing his business and personal lives except for that relationship and the one he's currently in but other than that does not happen yeah (laughs) okay sigh no credibility for dan uh he is sorry matt had to see that but matt thinks dr dan handled it well Actually, it seems like he's still rattled to me and Matt notices, but okay. Mm. Yeah. Agree. Over to the medical practice. Megan and her little black dress show up to come on to Michael after hours, but then there's a knock at the door from a process server with Michael's divorce papers, which kind of kills the vibe. Over to Kimberly on the deck of the beach house, gazing at the ocean when Megan shows up unannounced and says she can feel Michael pulling away from her and Kimberly's like, then stop talking to me, stupid. Talk to him. That's your job now. Megan pouts (laughs) that Michael's still in love with Kimberly, who doesn't want to hear it. She's going to be gone soon, and then Michael will love Megan more than he ever loved Kimberly, but then she swoons onto a chaise. When Megan offers to call an ambulance, Kimberly says she's just not supposed to get emotional. She needs to know that Michael will be taken care of after Kimberly's gone, and only Megan can give that to her. And as Kimberly cries beautifully, Megan pets her hair and promises to find a way, and that's where we leave all these bozos for now. Uh, Although, I just wish these two would get together. Yes. Then it can be beaches, but, you know, Mm -hmm. with more scissoring. And maybe I'd be, you know, interested. (laughs) Probably not because it's Kelly Rutherford, but exhausting. Indeed. Let's move on to our B-plot. The Andrews sisters face very different crises. Kyle wanders into the courtyard looking tense, what with, you know, his latest infidelity. He is about to let himself into his place when Sydney comes out of hers And he starts to say they need to talk, but then Taylor opens the door, throwing her arms around him in relief while Kyle looks guiltily over her shoulder at Sydney. And inside, he lies to Taylor that he slept at the restaurant, which reminds me of the Friends episode where Joey's mother tells him she knows his dad is cheating on her because his excuses, like that he was sleeping over at his accountants, were so bad, and says, (laughs) your father is no James Bond. It's Valerie Perrine. Hilarious. Anyway, um... Taylor assumes Kyle was acting out because of her fixation on Peter and insists that she is not interested in Peter. And Kyle is sorry, too. Taylor should be able to have platonic male friends without having him get all pissy about it. 
but Taylor swears there will be no more broken promises, and Kyle agrees. And then she's like, make love to me. And as they start going oh. at it, Kyle can see Sydney sadly watching them through the window, and she didn't even hear Taylor say that, so she's just upset. <laughs> In Chicago, Jane asks, acts totally waspy normal as she comes to see her mother after her surgery. Mrs. Andrews quavers that she needs to know if Jane is going to forgive her for lying all these years. And Jane is just confused. She doesn't know who she is anymore. Mrs. Andrews says she's their daughter. They love her so much. And Jane knows, but rudely, says she needs to find, as she puts it, her real mother. Uh, Mrs. Andrews weepily says Jane needs to do what she thinks is right. But does she really think meeting Sherry is going to help her figure out her identity? And Jane says it has to, and also that she has to go because her plane is leaving in an hour, which, good luck. Um, also, oh no, Mrs. Andrews is still in the hospital. Who shall make Mr. Andrews sandwiches for him? <laughs> Moving on. Her hair looks perfect, too. It does. It looks great. What, what surgery is this? I'd like to have some. <laughs> So then a great, very crabby Kyle is in the kitchen at Kyle's yelling at the wait staff when Sydney <laughs> sidles in. She got his message and thought she would return it in person, but he is way behind, so it's a bad time. And when she ignores that and starts coming on to him, he tells her all of that is done. The night before was a mistake. Can't afford to mess up his marriage again. And that is when Taylor enters to see why he was yelling at the servers. And he quickly tries to cover. Sydney bails him out by saying she was just asking about him catering a party but she guesses it's not gonna work out and kyle appreciates her understanding and with taylor watching knowingly sydney leaves and kyle jokes about the nerve of their neighbors thinking they can just get stuff for free taylor says that kyle just has to give them a firm no and outside sydney hugs herself and looks lost poor sydney the next morning a miserable Sydney is coming down the stairs as Kyle and Taylor walk up after a swim. Enter Jane, who I guess took a flight with 40 layovers since in the show timeline she supposedly left Chicago the day before. Mm-hmm. Sydney rushes over to catch her up on what's happened in her life over the past few days, but Jane is not interested and aggressively blows her off. More rudeness. And then I guess Sydney just drove around for a while because when we next see her, Jane is alone in the store and Sydney's walking in on her day off. Demanding Jane's attention, clip three. I have problems. So do I. Yeah, well, not like these, you know. Sydney, what is wrong with you since you got back? If I can't talk to you, who else can I talk to? Please don't, don't do this to me right now. Don't do this to you, what about me? Jane, no one else can understand me. You're my sister for crying out loud. No, I'm not. I'm not your sister, Sydney. Shut up. I'm serious. What are you talking about? Mom and Dad kept it a secret all these years. I just found out last week. What do you mean, like, I'm adopted or something? No. I'm adopted. <sighs> this is so dumb. It like, really is incredibly stupid. They're leaving aside all of the rudeness about how Jane is acting like, I'm all alone, I don't have a family. Is <laughs> like, okay, if you found this out when you were, like, 14... Yeah. maybe you would give this person a pass for a couple of days while she got used to the idea, but Jane is in her late 20s. Like, get a grip. <laughs> you are yeah. being absurd. And, I mean, it's this 
where you're like, I have no sister. Right, exactly. We're not yes. family. Like, she took your husband and she yes. killed somebody for you. Yes. She drugged you and made you paralyzed for two or three weeks. Yeah. Like, like I don't care if she's a different race. <laughs> okay? Your sister's now. That's how that works. Once shovels yes. have been deployed in the disposal of a dead body, you are related. I don't make the rules. I went the other way. I was thinking she's given you many, many reasons to cut her out of your life that have nothing to do with biology. But both things are correct. That too. Yes. I mean, it's a soap opera. So like you could play it either way. But yeah. I mean, and also it's Jane. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would be interested to see Laura Layton play this out, mm-hmm. but this is just, I mean, it's not how we talk about any of this, and it no. wasn't even then, and it's just, it's Jane. And her hair, please stop giving her the bump. Stop. <laughs> yes. I mean, nothing has ever made them sound more like sisters than when Jane is like, <sighs> Jane says, we're not sisters, and Sydney's like, oh, shut up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're sisters. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the reason they couldn't have this go the other way, even though that would have been much more interesting, is that once they cast Gail Strickland as mm-hmm. Sydney's mother, it's like, no, they definitely are related, like, clearly. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, moving back to the scene, Sydney is shook. Clip four. I'm lost. I feel like I suddenly don't have anything anymore. It doesn't matter between you and me. I mean, we're sisters, right? I mean, just because we're not blood relatives, it, it does, doesn't change that. Sydney, please. I can't talk about it. I, I just need some time to think it out. Meaning what? We can't talk until then? That's crazy. Just close up for me, would you? Jane! Jane, please! Talk to me! What? Jane! You're my sister! Jane! Jane. Yeah, I mean, uh, your point about the casting is absolutely valid, and I get it, but it just really is a pity because yes. Josie Pissett like this is your Emmy this is the Emmy bait and you are just doing kind of nothing with it and mm-hmm. being acted circles around by your scene partner again it's true the next day Jane's outside the address that the adoption agency gave her for Sherry and asks if the letter carrier who happens to be there knows who lived there 10 years ago He's like, people around here move all the time. But with the tiniest bit of prodding, he does remember that a blonde, blue-eyed lady did live there at one point. She was an actress. And she kind of looked like Jane. Um, There's also a gala committee insertion in this scene, but it is really one of the subtler ones. This is from the website. This mailbag carries more than one type of magazine in a voice that shows he's close to going postal. He sarcastically answers that he's been on this route for 18 years. Is that long enough? Television has the capacity to carry multiple levels of information to the viewer, although it is rarely used. Gala considers this its grassy knoll scene where only through stop-action replay can the loaded bag be clearly seen. And you can see this in the visual aids because they show the bag by itself. But it has, like, a magazine underneath, like, the handle of a of an AK-47, mm-hmm. like, just hanging under the bottom of the letter carrier bag. Wow, okay. Yeah, not the whole gun, just, like, the bottom thing. I guess that's not mm-hmm. the handle, but anyway. Again, in the visual aids. <clears throat> Sometime later, Sydney busts in on Jane to yell at her for dropping this huge bombshell on her and then taking off. And Sydney doesn't care who Jane's biological parents are. Their relationship will never change. Again, Sydney being more mature about all of this than Jane. Obviously, sure. it only half happened to her, but still. Jane refuses to engage, saying she has to find Sherry. Clip five. 
She gave you up, Jane. I mean, who any of our parents are it is just an accident. You don't get to choose them. But you do get to choose to have a relationship with your sibling. I chose to have a relationship with you. I chose to emulate you, to envy you, to help you, and you know, to have you help me. Yeah, it, that's what we both wanted. But all we did was fight. <laughs> we stuck it out. You know, no matter what you say, Jane, we've always been close. Maybe I could help you find her. No. I, I could just make a few phone calls or, or something. Sydney, she's my mother. I'm her daughter. Look, I know you mean well. I just gotta do this for me. You understand that? I understand. I'm not a part of that family. I mean, you can tell even just in the audio how much more affecting Leighton is in the scene. You can also yeah. see in the visual aids, there's a gif of her crying where it's, it really tears her heart up. Like, she's yeah. so much better. Than Josie said. Yeah. And uh, everything about how she doesn't really feel like she's a part of their family of origin. Yeah. Is in there too. Like this is just miles better than the material deserves as usual. Yes. From here they cross into the A plot. So we will see more of them there. Finally, that A-plot, the newlyweds have issues at work, but Billy's exes are thriving. Peter is grouchy as he rolls over and sees Amanda already getting dressed for work. Speaking of her and her wardrobe, I need to correct myself on her pregnancy. Her baby was born the October after this, so since we are still in late 96, she would not have, uh, Heather Locklear would not have been pregnant yet when we saw her in a pantsuit in the last episode, but let's say perhaps she told the costume department they were trying and that the show should start normalizing Amanda wearing more modest outfits. Hmm. Anyway, right. Amanda did not hear Peter come home the previous night, probably just as well since he was with Taylor. And hmm. she asks if things went well at the hospital. As we know, they did not. Uh, she perfunctorily catches up the new viewers on her troubles with Craig and does not pick up on Peter's sarcasm at all. Clip six. Please, tell me all about your problem. Oh, some other time. I'm running late. Peter, use a glass. What, you worried about germs? He's drinking out of the carton. I believe we've already shared more than milk cartons, Amanda. I wouldn't remember. It's been a while. You know, I really don't mean this right now. What is with you this morning? Um, he's sick of having literally the same scene over and over again, like it's Groundhog Show. Uh-huh. That's me. Yeah. Then Matt puts Peter's shit on blast by coming to the door and checking to see that Peter's okay after, you know, the night before. And obviously Amanda wants to know what that was about. So when Matt has left, Peter reluctantly tells her about choking in the OR and probably taking tanking his chief of staff chances. 
He's in a tailspin he can't get out of, and sounding haunted, he says he was afraid of making a horrible mistake, but Amanda chirps that the great Peter Burns is too smart to let it get him down for long. Bye! And Peter... Meanwhile, he's looking haunted with no shirt on, which is... He is. (laughs) I mean, if anyone could do it, it's Jack Wagner, but not quite today. And also something Frisco is happening with his hair, and that's not a compliment. (laughs) So, she's gone. He does not look comforted. And when Amanda gets to D&D, Billy wants to know what her plan is to deal with Craig. And since obviously Billy's big, perpetually wide open mouth can't be trusted to know about her and Arthur's secret plan, she just says she and Billy are going to put their heads down and get through it, which fine. But if Amanda was the president two days ago and now Craig is, I don't know what her job is. Doesn't matter. Business, 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 business. Yeah. No time to figure it out as Arthur calls to strategize in clip seven. Amanda, I've come to a decision. I can't afford to wait until Craig trips himself up. By then, D&D is going to be on life support. So you're going back on our deal? No. No, not at all. You'll still be in charge once he's out. I'm just accelerating things. Now, a lawsuit is going to be served on Craig today, challenging the way his controlling stock was transferred. I need you, Amanda, to keep your ears and eyes open for his reaction. Wait a minute. First you bring Sonny Boy on board intending to replace me, and now I'm supposed to be your spy so you can get rid of him? Times like these make for strange bedfellows, Amanda. Keep me informed. I've been dodging calls from Midline Airways all morning long. Did you close the deal with Allison Parker yet? I'm working on it. You lost her, didn't you? I said I'm working on it. You lost her, and you're too scared of losing your job to admit it. I am not scared of anything, least of all a frat boy masquerading as an executive. Well, maybe you ought to be, Amanda. Remember, my father hired you. I didn't. Could he also not have hired you a pronunciation coach? (laughs) Too scared. Like, please, please give the kid another take. Please. (laughs) He he just doesn't know. Like, he, he looks like he doesn't know how to work his lips. Like, when he talks, or like he just woke up. Like, it's a it's a lot going on, and it's all bad. He's, yeah, he's just there's, terrible I think this. there's a Benadryl issue, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jake is still being a bitch to Allison 24 hours after she declined his offer to own half of Shooters, and is denying when she asks him that he is mad at her, hurrying out and leaving her to bite her tongue in anger alone. And then Billy's out for a run when he spots Allison, also in running clothes, moping on a bench. He comes over to say hi in a cute way, which involves putting his foot up on the arm of the bench. So she is definitely looking right up his shorts leg when she notices he is there. You can see this in the visual aids. Such an asshole. <sighs> oh. She claims she's just resting a stitch, but when he offers to go slow, if she wants to join him. She immediately admits that she's lying and just took a break <laughs> to think. And after some prodding, she tells him what's going on and that she's worried she's done something that can't be fixed. And as you would expect, Billy is bad at helping. Clip eight. Mm-hmm. This is Jake, you know. Just give him a few days. He'll come around. It's not that big a deal. No, Billy, it is a big deal. I love him. I've never felt this way before. I don't want to lose him. Oh. I shouldn't have said anything. No, it's fine. It's totally cool. No, no, I'm sorry. Just I Just forget it, but... All you got to do with Jake is understand what he's been through. Right? Every woman he's been with has left him when something better came along. He just wants security. So all you got to do is show him how serious you are. 
This is too weird. What? Listen to you give me advice about my love life. Well, I hope it helps. Yeah, me too. That's not what I happened mean, with Joe. No. It's not what happened with Joe. It's not what happened with um uh it's not what happened with Shelly. Remember her? <laughs> Shelly. Um, I mean, it's not really what happened with Jane. Like this, I don't know what he's talking about. This qual this um is like for Amanda only. Right. That's A. Yes. B. Jake is being a fucking baby. Let's not come up with strategies to further coddle him in his bassinet, shall right. we? <laughs> the only thing that this should tell Allison is, um, you know, fix things with Jake or you could end up with this idiot again. <laughs> yeah. Over to Midline, where Amanda is leading, leaving a meeting with Craig. Uh, he is falling over himself to tell her how great she is. She does not mind his ass kissing, but when he announces that he's taking her for a celebratory dinner and will not permit her to refuse, she pretends to think it will be fun. And then I don't know what friggin' time of day it's supposed to be because the next scene is Billy returning to his apartment after his run. So I guess he figured with the two big bosses at Midline, he would just blow off the whole morning. I don't know. Not my business. <laughs> he is about to unlock his door when Samantha enters the courtyard with a new and apparently very heavy three-piece paint set, and he hurries over to help and also pitch her on trying to date each other again. And obviously she's like, what the fuck? Clip nine. What I'm saying, what I've been thinking is that I don't want to I don't want to end up sitting on some park bench thinking about you while you slip away because I didn't do anything about it, all right? I really like you, and it's not a rebound thing or anything like that. It's just, that's it. So will you go out with me? Billy, a date? I'm seeing Craig. You know that. He gave you this paint set, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Don't you know what he's doing by buying you these gifts? Okay, I'm going to stop you right here because I'm about to be offended. I like Craig, regardless of whether he gives me presents or not, and vice versa. Maybe we could have had something, but it's too late. I'm sorry, I don't mean to shut you down. Well, shut down, shut down, what's the difference? Either way, I'm out of here. <laughs> and stay out this time. Yeah. And don't <laughs> apologize for shutting him down. He's being a weirdo. Both yes. dates you went on were a fucking disaster because it's Billy. Yes. I mean, we're about to get to a gift that is potentially, you know, a red flag. But, you know, going to Blix and spending 50 bucks on paint shit is like, that's just yeah. being nice, honestly. Like, this is not, not to say that the more you spend on a gift, the more meaningful it is. But, like, this is... Not a big deal, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's not. And I know what that easel cost, too, because I literally bought it for Dan at, <laughs> at Blick. So huh. it's, it's not it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, whatever. We'll get to it. There is also a Blick in L.A., and it is, in fact, on Melrose Avenue, unless it closed. That's uh -oh. where it used to be, at least. Over dinner, Craig asks how to thank Amanda for saving Midline. She wants to know why he's so different from Arthur. And when she almost immediately apologizes for bringing up a sore subject, Craig says it's fine. And also, Arthur just sued him today to regain control of the agency. <laughs> he tries changing the subject to how hot Amanda is, but she changes it back to the lawsuit because if he gets bounced out of the company, she will probably be next. But Craig promises he's not going anywhere. He's confident he will beat Arthur because Craig knows all of Arthur's secrets. And then he asks her to dance. 
She says she can keep secrets better than anyone, but the secret he's sitting on would make Arthur's life a living hell if it ever got out. Dun-dun-dun! Look forward to finding out whatever this is in 7 to 93 episodes from now. (laughs) The next morning, it's Peter's turn to be suspicious about where Amanda was after work hours. She tried to call him, but she guesses he was out. Speaking of being out, he is blowing off work to play golf today. She calls him on it, given all his recent whining about the practice being in trouble, but if he can't say anything about her being out until midnight with a strange man, she can't say anything about how he spends his time either. The golf plot line, I mean, I know why it's happening, but it's still annoying. <laughs> I mean, like, hat tip to Jack Wagner slash totally. agent and manager, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, first of all, as we'll see in the visual aids for the next couple of episodes, mm. golf togs can make even him and Rob Estes look completely genital-free. It's yes. not okay with me. <laughs> and also, who cares? And also, we have a Kelly and Dylan who hate each other and on yeah. another show in the Starverse. Do, why is this happening to us? Yeah. About the golf, it reminds me of the story about uh, Barbara Streisand only taking the movie The Guilt Trip where she's on a road trip with her son played by Seth Rogen because um, she could sit down. <laughs> Which, like, I feel like this is Queen. the same thing where, where Jack Wagner was like, I want to play golf on camera also. Figure it out. And they did. Yeah, they did. I mean, it's boring, but it's not even the most boring thing in this That's season right. right now. So nope. fine. Sure. <laughs> golf it up. I can fast forward through that. At the office, Billy casually asks Craig about the paint set that he bought Samantha. Obviously, Craig knows what Billy's doing and tells him the same thing about it that Samantha's been saying for the past three episodes, which is, it's none of his business. Billy's like, totally, but if you hurt her, I'll kick your teeth in. And Craig's like, ooh, and so are the rest of us. Whatever, dude. (laughs) Allison finds Jake at Shooters angrily mopping before opening to say she can't go on like this. She's sorry she hurt him. And he shrugs that she just touched a nerve when she turned him down. So she knows that actually she didn't turn him down. She just asked to think about it. It was not a rejection. It was shock. But she has a proposal. Clip 10. What if I spend the next year learning about the business from you? And then if we both agree I'm ready, I'll sign on as partner. Come on. I'm serious. You're patronizing me. Admit it. This is just some kind of rebound for you. You're probably not going to be here in a year. What is this? Why do you think I'm so eager to up and walk out on you? Because you said in the last episode this wasn't a job you planned to do forever. I mean, he's... Yeah, and also, like, if it's about the job, fine. But everything that he is doing right now means that you made the right decision in being like, I need time to think about it, slash, "Eh -eh." Yeah. Because he's being a fucking child. He is. Sadly, the scene goes on from there because in Allison's mind, that was 72 hours ago and now everything is different. (laughs) Clip 11. Don't you get it? I'm not going anywhere. But your proposal, it's not like accepting a, a bracelet or some other gift. This is a major commitment. Yes, that's exactly what this is, a commitment. All of my other relationships ended because they were based on being free and easy and open. This is special to me and I just wanted to express that. Not with dinner or flowers, but with something that was a part of me. Hell, just making the offer scared me to death. Jake. Look, I'm not angry with it anymore, okay? It's just a case of bad timing. (laughs) (laughs) 
You've been together for like, what, three and a half weeks now <laughs> is A. B, she's a recovering alcoholic who yeah. is working for you in your bar. Yes. I, what the fuck is wrong with a bracelet? Get a really nice one. Yes. Go to that German jeweler who looks like Brandon Walsh. I'm sure you'll get a good deal. Fuck's sake. Yeah, this is also a job leaving aside the whole alcoholic working in a bar aspect of it. This is what she's doing because she rage quit her previous job. You know, like she just needed to make money for a time. But third of all, I'm not angry with it anymore. No, no, Grant, angry about it. Let's do another take. No, we can't. We don't have time. Keep it moving. <laughs> okay. Guess that's oh, the one we're going to use. Sigh. Yeah. Uh, the next day, Jake walks into his office to find Allison moving stuff around because if she's going to be his partner, she will need her own desk. And instead of telling him what she planned to do, she just unilaterally took the deed he gave her and recorded it. What? Okay, I don't know. That's what she says. <laughs> took you it know, to... at the office of small business, 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 business. Yes. She took it down to the town and had them <laughs> stamp it. I don't know. At the deed stamp place hole. <laughs> Stampery. Um, <laughs> there it is. The offer meant a lot to him, so it means a lot to her, too. And this could be fun. And in celebration, they kiss on it, which, like, being business partners, it's not for every couple. A... <laughs> B, you already <laughs> fought for several days about the suggestion that you become business partners, which is probably a bad sign for the future, but go off, I guess. I don't mm. know. Yeah. Elsewhere, Craig shows S Sam a large sunlit apartment on the pretext that a friend of his is considering taking it, and he wanted her opinion as an artist. Sam would, in fact, kill for a place like this, but she doesn't have to go to that trouble. Craig says, tossing her the keys. He wants to give her the opportunity to do great things, but she can't accept it. He insists it is an investment in her career. Clip 12. I don't expect anything in return. Just great art. <laughs> Good luck with that, sir. <laughs> I'm glad you don't expect anything because, yeah. She repeats that it's too much, but also accepts it and gives him a big hug. And at Kyle's, Taylor finds Peter moping at the bar and over-serves him another scotch. He really appreciated her talking to him the other night. She gathers that Amanda's not a great listener. And he defends Amanda, and Taylor pushes that he probably wishes she were more like Beth, and then pretends to be concerned that she's overstepped. Peter's like, yeah, you did, but anyway... <laughs> Taylor just knows Beth was always so supportive of Peter's decision and career, and those traits are hard to find. And Peter's like, well, she's dead and my life is different, <laughs> which, in my opinion, missed opportunity for him to say he's a different person. What with the name change, the show just mm. dropped all discussion of. But mm -hmm. anyway, Taylor puts her hand on his wrist as she says she believes in him, and that's when Kyle comes out of the kitchen and spots them. Which, although, honestly, it does look friendly to me. You can see this in the visual aids. It's like, not like she's kissing him, but... Yeah, even for Taylor, it's like fairly non-creepy, so... That's right. <laughs> which the is one time something. that she's not being a creep-mo, and true. Kyle's like, grr! Yeah. All right. So he slinks back into the kitchen looking alarmed as Peter says Beth would be very proud of how her little sister has grown up. Ew, gross. Uh, then Ooh. Peter takes off and Kyle comes straight out behind him to say, clip 13. You want to be friends with my wife, that's fine, but if you so much as touch her the wrong way, 
I'm gonna tear your throat out. Understand me? Oh, wait a minute. Now slow down. You've got the wrong idea here. As a matter of fact... Listen, there's, there's nothing going on, I promise. Good. Good. Let's keep it that way. Ooh. <laughs> if there's one thing I know about Peter Burns is that he only knows how to touch women the right way. Am I right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Over when to he's James. Not, you know, trying to kill them in the surgical theater. <laughs> yes. Hashtag never forget. Other than that. Over to Jane's, where Sydney's alone after hours and gasps in terror at the sight of Kyle and his Frankenstein's monster dimensions lurking in the wide-open doorway. He wants to apologize, but she says it's her fault for misreading his intentions, but he's even more super sorry than that, and she forgives him. She knew his situation. She just had a really shitty week. Everyone she thinks is her friend ends up ghosting her. Kyle claims he wouldn't have hurt Sydney in a million years. She should be tougher than this, she says, but she's lonely and sometimes life sucks. And as she starts to cry, he hugs her and he, (laughs) she's obviously standing on a box because she is short, but (laughs) he also holds her head to his shoulder and his hand is so big, (laughs) it's like he's holding a doll. You can see this in the visual aids, it's just very strange. I know. Uh, Mind his little fontanelle. (laughs) Elsewhere, Jane walks the mean streets of the town, ending up at a movie memorabilia store that is, unfortunately, closed. But is any place really close to a beautiful blonde? Because this one's not. Um, She gives the clerk Sherry's name in hopes of finding her stage name. Success. It was Sherry Doucette, and she did some Corman flicks. Drink. Roger Corman Mm. reference. He, the guy pulls her file, and Jane is astonished to see her gorgeous 70s Aaron Spelling diva of a mom looking like a young Donna Mills. Yeah. And that's where we leave it for this week. Let's close it up by naming our episode MVP. Laura Layton carrying this plot line on her back because <laughs> mm. Jane's yep. not. Um, yes, absolutely worthwhile, but I'm going to go with Mr. Roger McCormick. (laughs) Messy bitch. (laughs) Love it. Least valuable player. I mean, yeah, it's not Samantha's fault that she attracts two guys on the show who both appear to have gotten Novocaine injections in their sinuses. (laughs) Uh-huh. So honorable mention to and my enduring compassion for her and uh, my LVP is Jane. Yeah, stop be, stop being a dick. Stop being, being a dick. This, this person. Yeah, exactly. Next time and again with this, if it's not one thing, it's Jane's mother, and that's not the only mangling of English idiom you're in for, Craig. Plus, it's musical apartments time on Melrose again. Taylor somehow ups the creep factor and golf, 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 golf. (laughs) You'll want to put a hole in one of your eyes when you get a load of our visual aids. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not. For this and every other episode of Again With This, which you'll find at againwiththispodcast.com. Follow the links there to get our book, to follow us on Twitter at AWT90210, and to join our Patreon page at patreon.com slash againwiththis, where any level of support gets you almost a hundred extra episodes. I'm Case of Bad Timing, Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm on Twitter at Tomato Nation. 
My co-host is Great Art, Tara Ariano, mm. and she's on Twitter at Tara Ariano. And our producer, David T. Cole, has problems. Talk to you <laughs> next time. Ooh. What? What?